0: Well, good morning. It's great to see you as we wrap up this cross the line series. I want to I want to start off by talking to those of you just real quick who would say, "Man, I'm not a follower of Christ. I would not label myself that. I'd never put my faith in Jesus. I'm not a church person. I'm surprised I'm even here this morning or logged on this morning. Like I'm really surprised. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, let's let you in know a little secret about who we are at relevant. We on Sunday mornings really are all, envi- all of our environments we really are focused on Really trying to do the best job we can at what we call double barrel preaching. And what I mean by that is, I understand like every time I get up to preach, there's two audiences in the room or there's two audiences online. One of those audiences are people who'd say they're followers of Christ or kind of bought into this thing. You know, they'd say I'm a part of the church, and then and then there's you. You go, I'm not. And I'm not even sure I believe, you know, the Bible is what's written and is true, and I'm really skeptical of it. I realize I'm always preaching to both different audiences and try to do the best job we can what we call double-barrel preaching, of making sure, preaching the best way we can where both audiences can understand, both audiences are interested, it's relevant to both audiences, we're making faith practical for both audiences, both audiences are inspired and empowered, hopefully, to take a next step to follow Jesus wherever you find yourself at today. Um... So that's what we're all about and try to do every single week. But you guys got to know, today I'm going to talk specifically to people who would say they're followers of Christ. So you're off the hook today. But I pray, I, my, and my, really my hope is as I talk to, specifically to followers of Christ today, that you, someone who would say you're not a follower of Christ, that you see as I, what I'm talking about today. Like you go, like, oh, man, I hope that you feel loved by us today. And I hope that you go, man, those people love me enough that they are willing to do everything they can to share the good news of Jesus with me, even if I'm not bought into it, and and we are. Like, I hope you see that, that we love you enough, that we're going to do everything we can to share the good news of Jesus with you, because we believe, we want you to experience the life and hope and peace and joy salvation that we believe that only Jesus can give you. And so that's, I'm talking to followers of Christ today, but I'm really glad that you're joining us as well. So if you're a follower of Christ... If you put your faith in Jesus, here's what I know about you because I'm one of you. I know that you want to be more transformed into everything God's created you to be. I know you want to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. I know you want to experience the power of Jesus more in your life every single day. And because I know that about you, the one piece of advice I'd give you to experience all of that more is to be relentless about reaching one person for Jesus. I would say, man, identify one person in your life who doesn't know Jesus, your mom, your friend, your coworker, your teammate, your classmate, and and one person who isn't experiencing the love and forgiveness and hope and peace and salvation and transformation and eternal life that Jesus has made available to them through relationship with him and then begin to relationally invest in them. And then when the time is right, when they, they trust you and they know you care about them and they care about you, do everything you can to cross the line of sharing the good news of Jesus with them. And this is the number one piece of advice I would give you because our ultimate purpose as Jesus followers is to carry on Jesus' mission of reaching people for Jesus, what we talked about every week in this series. We talked about every week that Jesus was clear, that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to seek and save those who were lost, those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And that's you and you and you and you and you and and me and every single person. Jesus was clear that our heavenly father sent him on a mission to die in our place to, uh, as our per- perfect sinless sacrifice to atone for our penalty of sin against him. Jesus clear that our heavenly father sent him on a mission to forgive us of our violation of sin against him. To restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with him in this life and the next. To offer us eternal life. I mean, this is what Jesus gave his life on the cross for. And this is what Jesus rose from the grave to prove he can only do. And right before Jesus physically left, he made it very clear to his church. He made it very clear to his followers that your ultimate purpose as one of my followers, your ultimate purpose as the church is to carry on my mission mission. of reaching people for me, of carrying on my mission of seeking and saving those who are lost. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, this is not extra credit. If you're a follower of Christ, you mustn't dismiss this because, first of all, people's lives and eternities are at stake. I mean, no one has reached for Jesus. No one knows their need for Jesus. No one knows God's love for them. No one opens their heart to Jesus. No one ends up putting their faith in Jesus if we don't live out our purpose of what we're called to do. So we mustn't dismiss it because people's lives and attorneys are at stake. But furthermore, you and I can't dismiss it because you can't follow Jesus without doing this. Which means your transformation is at stake because we're transformed by following Jesus. you got to understand this. Following Jesus by living our primary purpose of reaching people for Jesus greatly impacts being transformed by Jesus. So you can't dismiss it because you can't follow Jesus without it. So I asked you this the first week of the series, let me ask you again, those of you who are followers of Christ, are you being more transformed into everything God's created you to be? Would you feel like you're experiencing that more of that every single day? Well, and if you'd say no, well, are you following Jesus then by being relentless about reaching people for Jesus? It's kind of what we've been talking about throughout this series. And kind of the bottom line we've looked at and we've been talking about is that reaching people for Jesus requires crossing the line of sharing the good news of Jesus, not just with our actions. We know that. Like we know got to love people the way Jesus Christ, the way Jesus first loved us. So not, it requires crossing the line of sharing the good news of Jesus, not just with our actions, but with our words. With our words, but not just any words, though. The reality is the words we use will either influence people toward or away from Jesus. So in order to reach people for Jesus instead of repel them away from Jesus, it's important we cross this line the right way. Because the words we use will either influence people toward or away from Jesus. So what we've been doing for the last three weeks is looking at three impactful instead of hurtful ways to cross the line of sharing the good news of Jesus with our words. And I've said every week, man, I hope that you choose to apply what we're talking about. Because after years of applying these myself, I can say with confidence that these three ways have the potential to open people's hearts to Jesus. To illuminate people's minds to Jesus. To move people one step closer to putting their faith in Jesus. And there's nothing more awesome and there's nothing more powerful and there's nothing more transformational in you than seeing God work through you like that in someone else's life. The first way we talked about two weeks ago when we began the series to to relationally cross the line is to invest by starting spiritual conversations. And we discovered spiritual conversations don't start with what you say. They actually start with the questions that you ask. And we learned that the best questions you can ask are the ones that help you learn the person's faith journey story. Questions like, hey, where have you been and where are you currently at in your spiritual journey? And then last week we looked at the second impactful way to relationally cross the line, which is to invest by sharing your transformation story. And we talked about your transformation story being the most impactful word you can share if and when they, they ask you about your faith. The third way is one word, and that one word is invite. And today as we land this plane on this series, I'm going to talk about the extraordinary power of this one word. But here's what we all need to know, and what, <clears throat> you already do know this if you think about it. An invitation, it can change everything. I mean think about it at every intersection of our lives there's been more there's more likely more than likely been an invitation of some sort an invitation to that you accepted or said no to and looking back it was a defining moment in your life an invita- you know my invitation to christy to date me my invitation to christy to marry me it changed our lives. I mean, it really changed her life. Uh, but And you know, you think about it, I, I realize this is so weird when I say this, but, you know, you know, it's true. You're in this world because of an invitation. I mean, someone invited somebody to something somewhere, and here you are today. No, you didn't get that? Little, some of you are a little slow? Think about it. Listen, we can all tell our stories through the lens and through the filter of invitations. Some of the best things in our lives are the results of the invitations that we've said yes to. Yes, when we were invited to that date or on that trip to attend that event, to join that team. And some of our greatest regrets in life are results of invitations we wish we would have said no to. We wish we would never texted them back or gotten in that car or went to that house. Invitations, they're life-changing for all of us. They've, they, they, they have changed uh, everything in our lives. And here's the big idea for today as we wrap up this series. You can forever impact a person's life through a simple invitation. Now the reality is, relationally investing in someone who doesn't know Jesus is actually a series of invitations. Right? Because you're inviting them to dinner. You're inviting them to spend time together. You're inviting them into conversations. You're inviting them to share their life with you. You're inviting them into your story. You're inviting them into your life. It's all super important when we when talk about relationally investing into someone. But to, I'm talking about a different type of invitation today. I'm talking about inviting someone into an environment where they can experience Jesus' love for them. An environment where they can hear the good news of Jesus in a clear, compelling, practical, impactful way. I believe by being courageous enough to cross the line through that type of simple invitation that God can use you to forever impact a person's life. I believe that through one simple invitation, your relational investment in someone can take fruition. I believe through one simple invitation, someone you're investing in can become aware of their need for Jesus and become aware of Jesus' love for them. I believe through one simple invitation, the person you're investing in can experience the love and the salvation and the hope and the peace and the joy and the life that is only found in Jesus for the very first time in their life today. I believe through one simple invitation, their hearts can open to Jesus and they they could be moved to in such a way that they can that they'll end up putting their faith in Jesus. I believe through one simple invitation, their life and their eternity can be forever transformed. I believe that because I've seen it happen over and over and over again. You can forever impact a person's life through a simple invitation. And there's a story in John 4 of how one unlike, unlikely woman proved that. When you get to John 4 what's happening is jesus and his 12 disciples are traveling through an area called samaria in in the middle east and as they're traveling it gets about noon noon time of the day it's the hottest time of the day it's super super hot and so they see a they see a well and they go and kind of take a hiatus at the well, Jesus sits down, the 12 disciples decide they're going to go into a nearby village and get some food, and they kind of leave Jesus just hanging out by the well. Well, not long after this, a Samaritan woman approached, walking from the nearby village to draw water from the well. Now, what you've got to understand to, to, to really, you've got to know to understand this story is, is that Jews, of which Jesus was, and Samaritans, hated each other. Jews despised Samaritans. They looked at them as half-breeds who were completely undeserving of God's love for them. Jews did not interact with Samaritans. And then furthermore, when it came to women, Jewish men, they didn't really even acknowledge a woman's presence in public, much less talk to a woman in public. But this is Jesus. This is the guy who came to seek and to save All people. He came to offer forgiveness in eternal life to all people. He came to redeem and restore and reunite all people to our Heavenly Father through faith in Him, regardless of race or background or gender or what they look like or sin. So Jesus did what men would never do in the first century. And Jesus did what a Jew would never do in the first century. He interacted with the Samaritan woman. And he starts in the reaction pretty simple. He said, hey, would, would you mind giving me something to drink? She's blown away. She's taken back. She's like, she's thinking she's being punked. I mean, she's looking for cameras around, thinking like, I can't believe this Jewish guy is talking to me. And she's so taken back, she starts asking him a few questions. And this led to a spiritual conversation between the two of them about water. I mean, they're at a well. Well, in the midst of this conversation, Jesus essentially tells her, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink because anyone who drinks from the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. The water I give is living water that provides eternal life. She's all kinds of confused, right, because she's talking about like literal water. He's obviously talking about something else, has no idea what's going on, and she starts thinking, this guy's nuts, Like, this guy's crazy. i got to get away from this guy. Well, Jesus knew what she was thinking. So to prove he wasn't crazy, he started telling her all kinds of things about herself. Telling her things about herself she was super ashamed of. Telling her things about herself no one knew. Telling her things about herself there's no way he could know. And she is blown away. She's in shock. She's just about ready to fall over. And then D- Jesus did something extraordinary that he didn't do too many times with too many people. Yet Jews and Samaritans both, they were waiting for the Savior of the world. They are waiting for the promised Messiah that Hebrew prophets have been prophesying was going to come and save them for hundreds and hundreds of years. This Messiah that is written about in the Hebrew scriptures that we call the Old Testament. The Jew, both Jew and Samaritan, are waiting and waiting and waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah. And as this Samaritan woman is thinking, How does he know all this stuff about me? Like, how does he know that no one knows that? Jesus comes out and very rarely ever did this with anyone. And he says to her, Hey, I'm the Messiah you're waiting for. I, the Savior of the world, you've been waiting for she's like, what? And the only reason she would ever believe that is because of what he just told her. That she knows no one knew. And then she quickly goes, holy crud. If that's true, she knew she wasn't worthy to be in his presence. And so Jesus goes, hey, hey, hey. Despite your past sins, despite your present reality, the living water that I mentioned is available to you through me today free of charge because your heavenly father loves you and all you need to do to receive it is just to is come to me as you are. Just come to me as you are. Jesus introduced this thirsty woman's soul to his amazing love and his amazing grace for her. And it wrecks her. And you know this. If you've been wrecked by God's amazing love, if you've been wrecked by God's amazing grace, you can't help but share it with other people. And that's exactly what she immediately does. Here's what the story picks up. Then leaving her water jar, I mean, she's so overwhelmed she forgot why she even went there. You know, she just leaves the jar. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come. And see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah that came out of the town and made their way toward him? I mean, this woman, she runs back to town and starts telling everybody about this guy she met named Jesus. And just like the blind man in John 9 that we looked at last week, she didn't give a sermonette. She didn't give any Bible verses. She didn't give a persuasive argument about Jesus. Instead, she went back and just started telling her transformation story. She goes, guys, you don't even understand the sin I have in my life. Like if, if you knew, you'd, be, you'd, you'd never talk to me again. But because of sin in my life, I feel completely unwanted. I feel completely unloved. It's why you see me walking around here feeling like I got no hope in life. Because uh, all I feel like I deserve from a holy creator God is eternal death. But this guy, Jesus, he says he's the Messiah we've been waiting for. And he said, I can be forgiven today. That I can have eternal life today through him. And I know that sounds crazy. Our people have been waiting hundreds of years, but guys, he knew every single thing about me. And they the the people she's telling her story to, they'd never seen her filled with so much hope. They'd never seen this woman like this before. And just like the, with the blind man in John 9 that we looked at last week, they started asking her all kinds of questions. You're like, okay, what did he tell you about you? Like, what does he look like? Is he still there? Like, is this eternal life available to everybody? Was he levitating when he told you this? Is there anything special about him? Like, why is a Jewish guy even talking to you? And at that moment, as they're, they're asking these questions. The door was open for this woman to cross the line and share something else. And you know what she shared? She said, I don't know any, any answers to your questions. I have no idea. You should just come and see yourself. She didn't try to answer their questions. She just made a simple invitation to come and see themselves. Story picks up in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans, remember, people who were viewed as society's outcasts, as unworthy Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because, believed in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me, that, her testimony that he told me everything I ever did. I mean, sharing her transformation story, that was enough, you know, to convince some. Just like sharing your transformation story is going to be enough to convince some, others needed to hear and see it for themselves. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him, Jesus, to stay with them. This is so cool. People who weren't like Jesus, weren't put off. By Jesus. As a matter of fact, they were attracted to him. They liked him. And then check this out. And he, Jesus, stayed two days. Jewish Jesus. stayed with these Samaritans two days because he wasn't put off by them either. He loved them, so he invited them, these outcasts, these unlovable people, to just come to him as they were. And because of his words, many more became believers. Many more became followers of Christ. Many more put their faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of their sins and leader of their life. And then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, just because of your story. We have now heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world, the Messiah, I mean, God used this woman to reach so many people for Jesus that day. God used this woman to forever change people's lives and eternities that day. God used this woman to open so many people's hearts to Jesus that day. God used this woman to help many people come to put their faith in Jesus that day. Not because she gave some good Bible verses. Not because she gave a persuasive argument about Jesus. But because she was brave enough to cross the line by making a simple invitation. Come and see. Just come and see. And God wants to do the same through you. He wants to use you to transform the lives and the eternities of people who don't know Jesus. And you can forever impact a person's life through a simple invitation. A simple invitation to come and see. Come and see. But where do you invite them? What do you invite them into? Well, what you've got to know is that I, along with many, many others, have dedicated our entire lives To create a church that you can and you want to invite people who don't know Jesus, your friends who don't know Jesus, your family members who don't know Jesus, your neighbors who don't know Jesus into. A church that helps transform the lives and the eternities of people that we've invited. Twelve years ago when we started Relevant, we decided we weren't going to be a church that tried to reach church people. We decided that we were going to be a church that was relentless about reaching people who don't know Jesus. We, we decided that we were going to, we were going to commit to be a church that was relentless about carrying on Jesus' mission of seeking and saving those who were lost above everything else. We decided that we would never grade ourselves on size, but on how well we, we reached people who didn't know Jesus, who didn't know the life and the joy and the peace and the salvation and the, uh, the eternal life that He has made available to them through faith, In Him, At Relevant, we are committed to create environments where people can see and experience, where they can come and see and experience the love of Christ. Environments that makes faith practical. Environments where people hear practical, biblical teaching in a way that inspires and empowers them to take next steps to follow Jesus. Environments that communicates the good news of Jesus in clear and compelling ways. One verse in Acts 15 has been a guiding verse for me over the past 12 years. The events in Acts 15 take place about 20 years after Jesus' resurrection in Jerusalem. And what's going on in Acts 15, it's the first church business meeting is taking place. And kind of the problem that spurred this business meeting is that a lot of Jews in Jerusalem had began to put had put their faith in Jesus, and they're arguing with the church leaders. So the first church that it was in Jerusalem, they're arguing with the church leaders saying, hey. There's a lot of Gentiles, and a Gentile is anyone who is not a Jewish person. There's a lot of Gentiles who have put their faith in Jesus too. And they need to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus. And they were so offended that these Gentiles were not like following Jewish law and regulation. And so they called the church leaders together. And they're arguing with the church leaders saying, those Gentiles need to become Jews in order to to follow Jesus. Well, fortunately for us, at the end of the day, the church leaders concluded that people didn't have to become Jewish to become followers of Christ. But in that meeting, before it came to a conclusion, James, who is the brother of Jesus and the leader of the first church in Jerusalem, stood up and made this statement. Acts 15, 19, he says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, we should make it as easy as possible for people who are interested in turning to God through Jesus to do so. We should make it as easy as possible for people to come as they are. And anything that is unnecessary, we should just remove it. From the start, this statement has been a guiding principle For us as a church, from the start, we've been committed to creating environments you can't wait to say like the Samaritan woman did, come and see. Come and see. And then afterwards, hopefully hearing, man, I'm so great I came. I can't believe I'm glad I came. And I can't believe I want to go back. That was helpful for me. Now we are so not perfect at this, but we're striving to get better at it. We're relentless about it. And you got to know creating these type of environments, being this type of church, it can can be you know at times be so inconvenient for us, so messy for us, so uncomfortable for us. And it can create tension within us, a tension we must choose to live in instead of try to resolve if we want to be and do what Jesus has called us to be and do. And let me let you in on a little secret: that tension. If you've ever experienced that, being a part of Relevant here, that tension goes away real fast when that person, when that friend, when that neighbor, when your boss, when the coworker, when your employee, when your teammate that you've been inviting who doesn't know Jesus, when they actually show up, you don't have that tension anymore. From the start, we've been committed to creating a church where people can be invited to come as you are. Just like Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. Our vision from the start has been to be a church that unchurched people love to be a part of. A church that unchurched people love to be a part of. And some have wrongly assumed that when we say that we're talking about our environments or our Sunday gatherings that th- through that statement. We're not. We're not because the church is not a building the church is not a location. The church is not an event. The church is a people. So when we say that our vision is to be a church, unchurched people love to be a part of, we're saying we, our vision is to be a people that unchurched people want to be a part of, want to engage with, want to know. Listen, when someone else invites someone they've been investing in, when someone else invites someone they've been investing in, someone who doesn't believe what you believe, doesn't believe the same things you do, doesn't look like you, doesn't act like you, makes you uncomfortable because of their life choices, you and I and the rest of us make or break if they feel the love of Jesus, if they want to open their heart to Jesus by how we treat and how we interact with them. You've got to remember, people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus, and Jesus liked them too. People who weren't like anything like Jesus liked Jesus, and Jesus liked them tr- too. Is the same true about us? Now, forget that. Let me ask it more personal. Is the same true about you? It better be true about us if we want to be a church that follows Jesus by reaching people who don't know Jesus. But here's the reality. No amount of inviting is going to impact anyone, regardless of how great our environments are, if the people that we're inviting can't come as they are, can't belong before they believe, can't be accepted and pursued and engaged right where they are, can't have their needs met before our wants are met, can't experience the same love from us that Jesus first gave us, can't be introduced to Jesus in the fullness of grace and truth. I believe this next statement is so true, and I hope you let this sink in. When people who are far from Jesus but interested in Jesus are invited to come hear the good news of Jesus with people who are truly following Jesus, by loving them like Jesus, something powerful happens. I'll let you read it again. By the grace of God, it's happened here at Relevant over and over and over again. Over the past 12 years, hundreds of people have put their faith in Jesus by asking Him to be the forgiver of their sins and leader of their life. Over the past 12 years, thousands of lives and eternities have been transformed through us. Why? Primarily because so many of us have committed ourselves to be and do what Jesus has called his church to be and do. So many of us have said... I am going to do everything I can to intentionally reach my friends and family and coworkers and neighbors for Jesus by intentionally investing in them and then inviting them. Hey, you should come with me this Sunday. You should come to my T-Life group. You should come to Youth United. You should just come and see. Listen, don't worry about having it all together. I know you don't believe all the same things. And listen, I know you think you're going to start on fire when you walk through the doors. Don't worry about all that. Just come as you are. Come as you are. You can forever impact a person's life through a single invitation. And some of you understand this more fully than others because the reason that you're here is because someone invited you. I mean, you can remember this person from Relevant kept inviting you, and you're like, "That's the weirdest name of a church I've ever heard. I'm not going to that." And you didn't want anything to do with that. And you're like, "I want nothing to do with Jesus." And they kept inviting you, inviting you, and then you had that pivotal circumstance happen in your life, and life kind of, and they kept inviting you through that. And you're like, "Okay, shut up. I'll go." Like, and you finally showed up, and you can't believe when you were driving here. You're like, "I can't believe I'm actually driving and doing." This. And then you pulled in the parking lot, and the anxiety went up, and you're like, "This is. Are they going to bring the snakes out? You have no idea what's going to happen." And then you walk in the front door and everyone's wearing weird red shirts saying we're here for you and you're like please don't be you know and you kind of slipped in the back door and see and and the music started and everyone started singing karaoke and you know you know i'm saying that's what we do right we're singing words on a screen all together everyone's singing karaoke and while the singing's going you're like there's a rock band and why there's there no crosses up here and stained glass windows like what's going on here and then you're like freaked out because the dude up here has a question during singing (laughs) And this guy over here's got two of them. And no one's calling on them. Like, you're like, why is no one answering their questions? And yeah, you laugh because you don't remember what it's like to be an unchurched person, do you? But that's what they're thinking. See, you understand this. You understand that some of you understand the power of an invitation more than most. Because for many of you, since being invited and Relevant, you've put your faith in Jesus. You've been inspired and empowered to follow Jesus, and you started to follow Jesus, and through that you've been more transformed into everything that God has created you to be. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, you've got to understand this. Your ultimate purpose as a follower of Jesus is to carry on Jesus' mission of reaching people for Jesus. But you know this. You can't reach everyone. I can't reach everyone. But let me tell you what you can do. You can Reach one. You can. So, my challenge to every person who's a follower of Christ, every person who says, particularly who says they're part of relevant, who's a follower of Christ, is follow Jesus and reach one. Follow him and reach one. And that starts with identifying someone. So, who's the one person in your life who doesn't know Jesus? And isn't experiencing the love and forgiveness and hope and peace and salvation and transformation and eternal life that he's available to them through a relationship with him? Is it your mom, your brother, your friend, your classmate, your neighbor, your teammate? I challenge you, identify that one person and then begin to intentionally invest in them. So we talked about. Like invest in the relationship, relationally invest in them by loving them how Jesus first loved you. Because every relational investment you make is getting you one step closer to the line. And once they know you care about them and they care about you, you're, you're set up to cross this line in an impactful way. So cross it and continue to invest by starting spiritual conversations. Continue to invest by sharing your transformation story. And then when you think inviting them will help them take a next step toward Jesus, cross the line and invite. Oh, you should come with me this Sunday. You should come with me to Easter. Just come with me to T Life Group. Just come with me to Root. Just Come with me to Youth United. Just come and see. Don't worry about having it all together. Don't worry about putting on a face. Don't, doesn't matter you know anything about the Bible. Doesn't matter you believe any of the same stuff. I don't, doesn't matter about the sin in your life. Just come as you are. Just come as you are. And the cool thing is, afterwards, after that invite, once they come, you get the opportunity to cross the line again by starting another spiritual conversation just about asking them about their experience. So invest, 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 invest. And when the time is right, invite. Listen, invest and invite for you. Do it for yourself. Once again, your ultimate purpose as a follower of Christ is to carry on Jesus' mission of reaching people for Jesus. Following Jesus by living out your primary purpose of reaching people for Jesus greatly impacts you being transformed by Jesus. So invest and invite for yourself, for your own transformation. But furthermore, invest and invite for us. As a church, listen, churches that stop, you know, being relentless about reaching people for Jesus because they stop intentionally investing and inviting, unintentionally become, you know, inward-focused churches for church people. And that dare not happen to us. Because when that happens to churches, people start complaining about all the wrong things. Listen, when someone that you've invited who doesn't know Jesus actually shows up, let me tell you, you don't care about nothing that you normally care about. You're not thinking about anything through the lens of how it is for you that day. You're like, don't screw up the sermon this day. (laughs) Listen, don't be a weird guy up here dancing. Like, we'd get them out, you know. Like, you're you're going, hey, everyone be super nice today. You're thinking about everything through the lens of how they are experiencing it. But when you don't invite, and people who know Jesus don't invite, That's how churches become insider-focused about me, 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 complaining about what's making me happy or not happy. Listen, I must tell you, you, enough people start complaining that way to me about what's not making you happy, and there's a likelihood that I might shift our focus to be a church for church people. You don't want that to happen. Because those of you who grew up in church and here because you came from a son, you want me to make our church just like the church you left before because you didn't like? That's what you want me to do? Surely not. That's why you got to do this for us. Listen, churches that stop reaching people for Jesus because people aren't investing and inviting, they stop experiencing Jesus transforming presence and power because Jesus told us that we'll experience that when and only when we carry on his mission. And furthermore, churches that stop reaching people for Jesus because everyone stops investing and inviting, celebration dies in that church. You know what makes the angels stand up and sing? You know what makes the heaven rejoice? Right? The scripture tells us. When someone puts their faith in Jesus and their eternity is changed. Listen, Go go, hang out with a church sometime where no people are putting their faith in Jesus and no baptisms are happening. There is no life in that church. They may be doctrinally awesome and have the best Bible studies in the world, but there's no life. It's almost like God has left the building and maybe he has because heaven stopped rejoicing. I was hoping you would react a little bit. I'm like, if someone throws something, someone's gonna throw something at me, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> hey, most important, yeah, do it for you, do it for us, but most importantly, do it for them. Listen, you can forever impact a person's life through a simple invitation, so do it for them because you have no idea what hangs in the balance of one simple invitation for their life and their eternity. I can't overstate how powerful crossing the line in this way is. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Here's just one recent example. Go
1: ahead and take a look. So my brother Rick um, never really had any any church, any God in his his life. Um, this was not an important part of Rick's life, and something that he didn't believe in. And so then, when he when he did get sick um, and got his diagnosis, then that became for me and my mom, like our number one priority, that was our number one prayer was, um, this was pretty bad, this was pretty serious, and you know, we needed, <laughs> we needed his salvation. And um, so I, my mom and I would talk and she would always say that she wanted, I just want Rick to go to church, I want Rick to go to church. And um, I said, we just have to keep praying you know, for that. We will just continue to pray that, um, you know, that God can work in his heart and, you know, and maybe one day, you know, our prayers will be answered and we can get him into the church and he can come to know the Lord like we do and Rick will get his salvation. And in the meantime, so my mom spent a lot of time, um, you know, she'd talk with me about it and I'd say, "Uh," you know, you can ask him But don't get upset if he doesn't want to go with you. I'm not sure if this is just, you know, quite the right time. She would write him about quitting smoking, and he was getting really tired of, you know, all the talk about that. And finally one night he had said, Mom, Mom came out and is talking about, she's going on again about quitting smoking. I said, I know, Rick. I told her at this particular time and what's going on, just, you know, you got a better shot at getting him in church, I think, than you do of getting him to quit smoking. And by this time, my brother didn't have much voice left. He hadn't had the surgery, but it was hard for him to talk and it was hard to hear him. And we were on the phone, and he said, yeah, no, I'd go to church. It was the Sunday before he was to have his operation to remove his voice box that he came to church with us. After that, Rick went into the hospital the next day. Um, So the following Sunday, was week two. He loved Ronnie. He loved the worship. He's like, the music is great. He can't talk, so he uses things. Either he's hitting tables or he's banging things on tables to get your attention. And every week, it was he was getting somebody's attention by banging that it was just church, church, church. It was time for church, and he needed to log on to church. And I'm like, so, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was It was so wonderful to watch this transformation happening, you know, in him. Then the following Thursday, he got released from the hospital, and Sunday, he wanted to go to church. So that day, Matt was doing the I Am series, and at the end of service, just like every week, you know, he um, asked, you know, anybody that wanted to pray that prayer and that wanted to accept Christ as is their Savior, put their faith in God, um, that go out to the Next Steps, you know, booth and get a Bible and, you know, we left church and my husband's helping him. He carries the oxygen tank and, and uh, Rick goes, my mom goes out and gets the car. I went over to kids' church to get my grandson and I came out walking and my brother sitting right up there at the podium at the Next Steps and my husband's sitting behind him um, and I'm just looking like What's, what's going on? What's going on? And um, my husband's just all giddy going, you know, like, look, at you, he's doing it. And uh, and I said, and I walked up, and so he is giving them all of his information, letting them know that he has put his faith in Christ. Um, he's got the Bible in his hand. That was the best day. That was the best day for me um, because I knew our prayers were answered. And I knew that, you know, God now had him. And no matter, you know, how this, um, how long this takes, what his fight is um, through all of this, I know that God's got him and he's got a plan.
0: And here's the deal when you see God use you to impact someone else's life in eternity, it'll be the best day for you too. Because it'll be their best day. So let me just ask you, those of your followers of Christ, are you being intentional to reach one person for Jesus? If not, will you start? I mean, imagine what would happen if we all said yes to this every day from this point forward. Imagine what would happen if we all were. You know, relationally investing in someone who didn't know Jesus and then crossing the line in these three impactful ways we talked about throughout this series. I believe we'd see people's lives transformed in ways we can't even imagine. I believe we'd see God's transforming presence and power in our lives and in our church like never before. Hey, one of the best invite opportunities of the entire year is next weekend, Easter weekend. I don't know what the deal is. I talk about it all the time. People who are like totally uninterested in the whole Jesus thing and want nothing to do with the church, left the church, never going to go back. All that people for some reason who will never come on this day Easter weekend. I have no idea why they'll show up. All they need to be, all that needs to happen is they just need to be invited. So let's do that. God can and wants to transform the eternity of one of your friends, neighbors, coworkers, family members next weekend. I truly believe that. And you can forever impact a person's life through a simple invitation. So who are you bringing? Man, who are you bringing? Make the invite this week to say, hey, come come and see. Come sit with me. Just come sit with me. Whatever, you know, of these four, these four Easter gatherings that we have, I'll, I'll sit with you. Just come and sit with me. And you're not going to start on fire. Just come as you are. You know, just come as you are. Come, come, come and see. Come sit with me. We've given you all kinds of tools to help with this. We have the cards that you can use. Those are in, still in the foyer. Had social media posts. we have having more this week. You can share all those things. But there's nothing more powerful just to say, hey, come and see. Come and see. Come sit with me. Whatever one you want to go to, I'll come and sit with you. But let me say one more thing. If next, next weekend, if, you, if the, someone that you invited, let me restate that. If you don't invite anyone next weekend... To come and sit with you, or you're not serving on Sunday morning, I would ask you to please come Saturday night. And listen, those of you who aren't going to invite someone or they're not going to come already, you're going to go, but I like to celebrate Easter on Sunday morning. I get that it's all about you. I understand that. (laughs) But why don't we help keep some of these seats open for people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. Because your life and eternity has already been transformed by the resurrection of Jesus. Let's make sure we open as many seats So that other people's lives can be as well. So if you're not serving next Sunday morning or you're not going to bring anyone, they're not going to come with you, would you please come on Saturday night? I can guarantee that God's presence will still be with us on Saturday night. I promise you he's not in the little Sunday morning box. It will be fantastic and then you can go have dinner afterwards and it will be great. Let me pray. Dear Lord. Uh, Thank you for loving us, for being relentless, for coming and saving us, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. I pray that we are wrecked by your amazing love and grace for us so much that we go, how can we not share? And God, I pray that as we make invites this week and people come and we come next weekend on Saturday and Sunday, God, I just pray that you do a mighty transforming work in our lives and the lives of every single person who's tuning in online or who's in this room. I pray that that happens in our church and every other church across our city and our nation. Uh, We pray all this in Jesus' awesome name, amen.